So have you re-listened to any of the shows from uh, Spring Tour? Yeah. You? I've been picking and choosing. You know? What have you been listening to? Well, I, re- I I listened to The Third Night of the Greek. Okay. Because, like, you know, people who didn't come to the Hollywood Bowl but went to the Greek were all like, but what about The Third Night of the Greek? Yeah. What about The Third Night of the Greek? So I was like, all right. I'll li- I, like... Hadn't really listened to it. Like, I'd listened to part of it, you know, the stream. But, like, on Wednesday night, after being there for two nights, I really wasn't uh, paying too much attention. I mean, it had moments. Like, most fish shows have moments, you know? Uh, Not just most fish shows. I'd say all fish shows have moments. You know, there have been none that come to mind that are, like, full blah. You know? Right. And, you know, very critical people had been giving the third night of the Greek praise. Mm. And to be honest, you know, like they play well, you know, it just so happened that they played pretty well every night of this spring tour. What about Seattle? Seattle, I only watched streams. Me too. I haven't re-listened to it yet. Yeah, it's something different to like going back and re-listening versus the stream. For some reason, the stream—I don't know why—it's less. I guess because it's happened. I don't know. It's just less. Like my ear is less tuned in. See, I'm like not a couch tour guy. I know. Me neither. But let's talk about this spring run. Sure. Let's pull out. Ten thousand feet. Ten thousand feet. 30,000 feet, bird's eye, bird's eye view. These guys are playing so incredibly well together. It is crazy, okay? Seattle, sure, warm up, great, great shows. Berkeley, some sick, sick, sick moments. Hollywood Bowl, it's some exceptional moments. We talked about Hollywood Bowl last week. You know, we've had some time to continue to cool down, continue to re-listen, the musicianship that is happening right now is absolutely insane. I think that Trey's guitar tone, let's let's start there for a moment. His guitar tone right now is so dialed in. It's so, it's just excellent. You know, sometimes he's kicking in a loop. Sometimes he's doing some super shreddy. Sometimes it's so melodic. Like, I don't know what he's got dialed in, but it is Almost as good a guitar tone as I've ever heard him have right now. I think it is definitely in the upper echelon of what has gone down in the last 20 years. For sure. You know, like, what Trey has done in the 3.0 era has, there there has been progression. Right, it's been an evolution. Tinkering. Because for the first, like, 10 years, no, maybe not 10 years, but there were times in 3.0 where it was feeling a little bit stale Mm. in a sense that we'd grown up with a certain expectation of a machine gun tray. Absolutely. And with the revitalization of this band in 2009, 
we didn't necessarily get that. The fast fingers. Fast fingers, machine gun style, rippity doo da day. I agree. Right? Well, you're right. Okay. And I think that it has taken a long time for the jaded vets of the 90s, and some have not even come around, and have super high expectations of getting that, like, machine gun coming back out at some point, and it's not gonna. Like the super shreddy peaks. Like, yeah, same shred peaks. And they, they're, there's semblances of them here and there in certain songs that require it. Yeah, I mean, look, the speed at which he played in the, you know, 95, 90s, you know, in the 90s was absolutely insane. And you're right, it was an adjustment in 3.0 to go mm-hmm. like, hmm, okay, not what I remember. What is it now? And I think that's that's really what's taken me personally some time, like over the last, I don't know, 14 years. Yeah. Of course, there have been moments where that machine gun shreddy jamming was something that I thought maybe was missing. But now they've evolved into something new where that's not necessarily the music that they're going to be writing, but they found a way to evoke the same amount of joy by doing these soaring kind of slower and more melodic type of jams. The word that comes to mind for me is patience. I've said it before. Mm -hmm. But like the jams are so patient now. And it doesn't mean they don't build obviously it doesn't mean that there's not that classic fish tension mm-hmm. and release but you're right that the fingers aren't always there now they show up every now and again right sure. and there's sections of music that we all know and love that you know when we kind of get to them we're like fingers crossed you know like are the fingers going to keep up with mm-hmm. what's in our head you know what we expect but he, his tone right now and the way that he like layers and loops, and I don't even know what the right terminology is, but the no, the amount of noise that he's creating and this craftsmanship he seems to have over his pedals and his guitar. I agree with you when you're saying that it has supplanted, I don't want to say replaced, but you know, the machine gun fingers aren't there. That's, you know, it's, we're living in a different world, but that there is like so much there and he has so much patience and he is so skilled that the tension and release and the building and the sound and the tone is as good as it's ever been in so many, like I just, we're spoiled. Yeah. This guy is absolutely shredding in a different way than the nineties, but absolutely completely destroying the guitar. Yeah. I mean, back then it was all just motorboat. It was frenetic. And now it's love and light, which is fine, you know, because they're both enjoyable. And the demographic has grown and changed just as the band has changed. And I think that it's just like the thoughts of a jaded vet who are still going to see the band, you know, often and have certain expectations. It's just funny that they maybe, and and maybe I'm wrong, you know, a lot of people that have seen, been seeing this band for 30 plus years have come to the realization that they're not going to get 
95 fingers. Here's here's my experience. Everyone that I know as a real human being mm-hmm. is having the time of their life right now. Okay? Anyone I speak to that's like person to person, someone I know, someone I've known for years or whatever is just like, wow, I had my face blown off. Like this was the best weekend ever or the best run or I, you know, like those are the words that I'm hearing come out of people's mouths. When you go on to net or whatever or you're in reddit or you're even in the reviews on the live fish app the guy that guy comes out whenever that guy is who's like oh you know he's better a hundred years ago man this one time in band camp when i went to whatever that guy is still around if that's the guy you're talking about he's still on the internet yeah. i don't know if he's going to shows man i think there people at the shows i haven't heard someone that i personally know really complain about lack of creativity where these guys are right now 100 percent. same i haven't i haven't i'm just, just speaking more in general like after what has happened i'd say in the 4.0 era yes post pandemic yes you know i'm focused on that to be honest yeah because i went through a but don't get a me bit wrong. of a fish dry spell. Like 3.0 was a bit dry for me. Well, fish. I didn't. I saw a lot of shows in 3.0. Did there were I, I didn't travel as far. There were definitely some ups and downs, you know. But as I said earlier, every show has its moment. Absolutely. I'm just looking for those shows where, you know, you're okay with them playing shade. Yeah, because your face needs to reform and he's after yeah. it's been melted, completely melted off. You know, I agree. Um, but some of the most legendary things they've ever done were in three porno. You know, Baker's Dozen, Chillin' Thrillin'. Yeah, you know, Magnaball. Some of the some of the best jams of of ever yeah. were in three Yeah, you're right. And we can examine this another day, but like it, the length of a jam doesn't necessarily make it the greatest jam ever. Agreed. You know? And that go, takes us back to like, you know, the 2001 from Hollywood Bowl. Oh my God. It was only like, what, 11 or 12 minutes? Yeah, but it just, ha- it, it was a moment. It was just like time. It was excellent. pure joy. Like Absolutely. everybody who was there who never even heard of 2001 before or had seen 2001. 50 times it does the same thing every time but that one was it was a special one was a good one so like okay we got trey okay these guys are listening to each other they've always been champions of listening but like i'm seeing so much listening going on there was times when Paige would be playing a little ditty and then like all of a sudden you know Trey's echoing it back, you know, or Mike would take something on, right? And then Trey's following along and like they're playing with each other so much. And we saw Trey and Mike kind of face off against, you know, kind of like play with each other, like look at each other and kind of like do like a little back and forth. Dude, Fishman, man, I was saying all weekend, you know, the hardest working man in show business, he just is back there trucking, you know, an absolute freight train of a machine all weekend long. He's the MVP. 100% the MVP, right? He's like, he's just there. It's just like, it's the set. In so many ways, it's the it's the backdrop of fish. I mean, obviously, yeah. it's the drums, mm-hmm. but like, 
his playing is so complex. Oh gosh, that I know we did find something, but like it's nearly impossible to find a mistake. Well, that's why I was surprised that, that Fishman can actually make because like he is like the wizard of covering his own tracks. A hundred percent. Because everything he does is on Wallace. on the on the rhythm. The the only part I think of the whole weekend where Fishman got out over his ski the first little bit of Bowie. Right? He kept Didn't, going for a while. He did. It, yeah, I mean it, every time he brought that back. That was a it was, was it but was it actually wrong or was there like an issue with his snare drum? I'm not saying it was wrong. It was I'm just different. saying it was different. It was different. And I don't know if it like didn't sound right. It'll lock for me. It'll lock in for me. He it was he was kind of like out ahead of them a bit, right? He was kind of like there was a lot there was extra drums and he was a little out ahead, but like that is I mean, we're talking about 9 hours of music and we're talking about 1 minute of oh. like possibly maybe yeah. something that didn't work for one guy in the audience. But that's the thing. That's it. <laughs> well, that's the thing that I'm saying is like Fishman is so complex. Ugh. Like the rhythms that he's throwing down. I know are so everywhere and all-encompassing that if he was to make a mistake, don't hear it. Right, because he's just like on it. <laughs> because he's just like, like it's happening in a split second and then he's correcting himself or he's like, that wasn't a mistake. I was just improvising, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not a drum expert. You know, in my experience, it's very hard to pick apart what he does. You said it, MVP. Like he is the MVP. VP. Yeah. He just laid it down all weekend long, like an atomic clock. Freight train did not stop. He was all over the kit, left, right, center, feet go everywhere. And he's got those new samples. Everywhere, all at once. He's got samples <laughs> he likes to toss out there. I mean, that guy, he, he, they're at the, he's at the top of his game right now, too. I mean, we we're talking about Trey and how he's managed to like carve out this guitar tone in 4.0. Fisherman's insane. And, like, let's talk about Gordon for a minute because, like, that new bass is sweet. It's melodic. Um, it's different. It's got less attack, you know? Like, when you hear the, like, Down With Disease or, like, a Wolfman. Like, there's, there's, less, there's less attack on this new bass. It's definitely rounder, smoother more melodic, but he's all up and down it. And he's playing it. He's having fun. I thought, like, I give him absolutely five stars for, for this new bass situation that he's throwing down. You know, I didn't notice a huge difference. Okay. You know? Again, like, the rhythm section of this band is locked in pretty tight. I know. Of all, you know, the superficial criticisms or or, you know praise that they get it goes to page and trey usually because they're the ones who are carrying the they're the, the eccentricities the right noticeable eccentricity yeah. of every song that they play absolutely are coming from them yeah on their side of the stage as opposed to you know mike and and fishman who are just like holding it together and providing the baseline for the other two to bring in the melody yeah you know, so it's noticeable when they go over the top, you know, right. and they go to an exceptional place. But for the most part, I'm always, and I think most people are listening to what Trey and Paige are doing. 
and you can hear what Mike and Fishman are doing, of course, but it's just like they are there providing the base line. They're providing the ground. The foundation. The foundation yeah. for the other two to go to places. But when Mike does do stuff, you know, whether it's during like possum yes. or funky stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like the howling. I love it. You know, uh, or sneaking Sally, you know, or Haley's, or I mean, the one that you really get, Mike in in his boogie on reggae woman, mm. you know, where he's just like throwing that line down, and you're just like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever right now. I spent a little bit because of the bass thing. I was like really kind of trying to tune in. I was yeah, just more same. like aware, you know. I was like, "Oh, what's Mike doing?" Like, I want to just like zone in on that for a minute because I agree. Like, I'm a page guy. Obviously, pay and trade are up there, you know, do, making making all the feels right. And it's like Fishman's in the back, just flaying down an absolute colossal wall of sand out of the back, you know. But I was really dialing in on Mike and like he. He's over at his, his tech stack a lot now. I, I just noticed, you know, he's definitely working on things, dialing things in. He's got his pedals. He's got all his, you know, yeah. woozy wuzzlers over there. And I, I did notice him kind of going back and forth. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I watched that reel he did about his new bass and how he's even got that little piece that he can put in to go up even higher. Like keep that in like his little change pocket. I have jeans no idea. And, like flips it out and slides it in there when he needs it. But he's definitely like, he's working around this new base, right? I mean, he's been playing the modulus for 25 years, yeah. right? And he's like bringing something new in and he's like trying to, you know, work. he's working overtime almost is what I'm trying to say, right? He's yeah. like in there going like, hey, I'm doing something new. I'm taking a risk. Fish takes risks. That's what we love. Yeah. I was just really, I was focused on Mike. I'm really curious about what he was doing. There's obviously the the thrill of that. More patient, more complex, more considered more wise you know there's wisdom in this music that there wasn't 25 30 years ago right there was an yeah. enthusiasm of a bunch of 20 year old kids ripping as fast as they could on all their instruments and making all sorts of crazy noises now there's like a real wisdom to everything that they're doing together individually and together yeah i think and it's like i think these moments like mexico three nights at the hollywood Bowl, seven days seven nights at msg or whatever's happening this summer like it allows them to kind of settle into it and let it like come together in a in a way that's experimental for them, but like in a different way. You know, I, I'm really enjoying these little mini runs. Feels more special to me than the hey, we're at Jones Beach and like now we're at Atlantic City and like now we're at which I guess they're not residences, but they're nice. Like they stretch their wings a little bit for sure. That's why I said you know like. It's way better to go for a three-night run somewhere than catch a single night. It's not something new, necessarily. I mean, they do, they've been doing three-night runs in a lot of places for a yeah. long time. You yeah. know, Atlanta, Chicago, New York, not many on the West Coast, except for San Francisco. But I wonder, like... Most of the three-night runs that they've done on the West Coast have been at Bill Graham. Mm-hmm. And do they do those three-night runs because it's such a small venue so more people can have the opportunity to see them? Or do they do it because they want to spend three or four nights in San Francisco? And, I mean, Bill Graham's 
I don't know how big it is. It's maybe like 10,000 people. It's tiny, maybe less actually. And, you know, they were going there for a long time. That was their mini residence. Overlap over three days is like got to be pretty high percentage, right? People, well, that's what I'm people there night one, night two, night three, like sure, you get a different mix of people in on different nights, but like this band brings people across the country. So like it brings people to the same venue. There's nothing, you know, I know you don't even have to like check out of your hotel room. It's really easy to go to three show. Yeah. I'm yeah. just thinking about what their mindset is behind. Yeah. Like a three night run in a certain place. Like they can sell them out. You know, like they're older now and they have like other priorities, you know, whether it's like family or just like not having a crazy schedule and all these, you know, things that have cut at times over the years come out of balance, right? For individuals. And then, you know, really try to put it back together and make sure it's working for everybody, you know, and that it's the right environment. And it's like doing three nights somewhere, doing like a little run is nice because people, you know, you don't have to drag your family around. You don't have to, you know, you can post up for like less work for the crew. It's less work for the crew. It's less work for them. You know, like yeah, flying into a place and flying out, not knowing even what city you're in. You know, there's that old joke about rock and roll shows. Like what city are we in? And then they like yell it out. They're like, hello, St. Louis. You know, like yeah, there must be some of that when you're on a crazy tour, right? Like, where are we? Like, what city are we even? Yeah. But they haven't done that in a long time. I mean, they, they do that in the summer. Where they're going to play, what, like 25 yeah. shows in 15 different places? I know. Yeah. But that's also fun. I think I'm just projecting and hoping <laughs> that they had such a great time at the Hollywood Wall that they decide to add it. Lock it in. pole feature. They've already got their booking agent on the horn. On it. Calling up. Yeah, they're printing the tickets already. I hope so. 2024. I mean, I can't see why they wouldn't. The only reason they wouldn't is like to build up the want for all the people who were there. Maybe they wouldn't come back again a year later. Maybe they need two years to really wet their beaks. Yeah. And want it. What do you think they're going to do at MSG this summer? I don't know. I mean, I, I've, there was all those rumors of the Sweet 16. Yeah. And cookies instead of donuts. And they still might do something, you know, fancy where they have a plan of a seven-night spectacular Mm -hmm. where they do no repeats again. But there's been no rumors. Not that I've heard. Yeah. You know, once they squash that 16-night hopeful situation, the expectations have kind of gone down. But seven nights is a long run. Now, it's not seven in a row. It's kind of seven over... It's spread out over like 10 days or or 12 days. Yeah. Maybe you'll get Billy Joel coming out on stage with them. Maybe. Or maybe they'll go out with Billy Joel because I think he's playing one night in between, yeah. Wouldn't that be something? (laughs) Cover band joins Billy Joel. (laughs) Yeah, I was just wondering, you know, because, again, Hollywood Bowl is, is such a special time. Um, and the Greek was so special, you know, three nights of the Greek, people loved it. People had a great time, right? They felt really treated to something nice. Um, yeah, it was just so different. The experience, those experiences were very different. It's like Hollywood bowl. You could roll in there at six 30 and you with know, your sushi, with your sushi. Yeah. Or your sandwich. Yeah. Or, and your bottle of wine, you know, and just lax, lazy, mm-hmm. hang out. You know, whereas like the Greek, you had to be there the whole fucking day. 
Yeah, and you'd have your elbows out, you know, while you're waiting for your buddies and like constantly. Constantly. Like, 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 like scenes taken. Go wait in a bathroom line for 25 minutes, 30 yeah. minutes. It was still a great time. It was. You know, a GA show gives you the opportunity to congregate with a lot of people, but it was very difficult to hold down a spot for more than two or four people. Whereas like the Hollywood Bowl, same deal. It's hard to congregate, but not because it was free flowing. You can go wherever you hell you wanted. They were letting, you know, like one of the, the cool thing about the garden is that they let people flow through pretty much. You know, I was with you the hole, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. The garden box is out of the bowl. Right. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. The only downside to it is because security was a little lax. I'm all for people coming to hang with their friends, but like the the first night, the Friday night, there was a box next to us that had like 30 people in it. I'm, oh, they are. I'm exaggerating, yeah. but like it was stuffed and it wasn't really that wasn't the issue. And I don't want to be that guy, but it was a bit of Chomp City, you know, it was a bit of like not 100% there for the music, kind of there for the party, like hanger honors. Yeah. And it. I wasn't trying to let it get to me, but it's like, I just, you know, it's like, this is a conversation you don't have to have at a concert because you, you have to yell at each other. And But that happens everywhere. I know. It was drive Trompers at every, every concert. It, Saturday and Sunday, I had no problem. But Friday no was lucky. like the day that I just got it, you know, and it was a bit rough. What about the, um, what about the street scene outside the Hollywood Bowl? It was a lot of, a lot of gas. But people have been talking about that, you know? It's just popping. Somebody had a good plan to fill their pot. Saturated. Yeah. Yeah, it was saturated. Um, it didn't really impede, though. Like, you know, you could get in, you could get out. Like, you no, that's the dress, like, wasn't impeded. It's just, like, there's no shakedown, but it was just, like, Balloon City up and down the whole block. Yeah. Yeah, which is, yeah. it was, like, very concentrated. As opposed to like when there's a giant lot. Right. It's spread out. It's much more spread out. No, this was like every 17 feet. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of insane. Um, you know, the cool thing was, you know, and you touched on it last week is, you know, there was like an after scene, right? Like people, little pockets of people were going all sorts of places. This bar, that bar, this restaurant, that restaurant, this after party, you know. Like, yeah, you know, the thing. Like, like that's, that's the difference between like uh, run in... Hollywood, right? As opposed to like a run in Huntsville, right? What are you gonna go do in Huntsville? Yeah, you're going back to your hotel. back to your hotel, yeah. hang out at the Motel Six. Yeah. Maybe there's a pool, you know, where everybody's sitting around drinking their yeah. IPAs and hitting their bowls, you know, which is nice. Sometimes after a show, you got your crew, you guys are all hanging out, you know. But comparing it to my experience, let's say last spring tour in Indiana. Yeah, like what you know, I'm not show. from Indiana. Didn't have a line on like what Party. was really going down. Yeah. After the show. But the lot hung on for a while, you know? Yeah. People hanging out in the lot and having a good time. Yeah, those kind of shows, the lot's the party afterwards. I guess. It takes a while before, especially if they don't start clearing it out and moving people out. Yeah. But most shows in a summer tour that are in an amphitheater that could be in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. A lot of amphitheaters these days are not in the heart of a city. No, they're out. 
they're kind of on the outskirts. Even Shoreline, you know, is in the outskirts of nothing. Silicon Valley, you know, there's nothing happening anywhere around there at night. From I'm just trying to think of like Meriwether Post Pavilion, like nothing around there. Everybody's trucking out of there, driving drunk out of there, you know, or to re-congregate. Yeah. Pluses of playing in a nice big city, in the heart of a nice big city, in an amphitheater outdoors, doesn't exist in a lot of places. You know, Chula is an incredible, beautiful amphitheater down in San Diego. There's nothing there for miles. There's nothing around for miles. Yeah. You know? Santa Barbara, amazing, beautiful amphitheater, but nothing there for miles. Yeah, you're kind of up. I mean, you're in Santa Barbara, which is a cool little town. Yeah. But it's a sleepy town. You're not in Hollywood. The more I think about it, the more I reflect on the experience that was provided by playing at the Hollywood Bowl. You know, when they play at MSG this summer, it'll be great, but they're indoors. Mm. Which is probably a good thing. In well, I was going to say, weather-wise, in August, because one of just, like, there's ball sweat that is... 99% humidity. That is the humidity and the stank of the outdoors in Manhattan in the summer is overwhelming. But nightlife, there's things happening. There's, you know, after parties and pre-parties and bars everywhere and activities for the whole family, you know? But, uh... Come back. Come back again. Do it all over. Let's do it. Yeah. Flying high. You're still recovering mentally and physically from the joy that we experienced at the Hollywood Bowl some days ago. Seems like we're never coming down. Heartful. We're going to hang on. Yeah. Am I going to re-listen to it a a million more times? Probably not. I'm already thinking about like what I really want to listen to now is I'm going to check the jam chart for 2001. Listen to some gnarly do that. And I'm going to go listen to some gnarly 2001. Because right. I want to know, be reminded of what they've done. And compare. And compare. Okay. I'll get back to you on that. It's good homework. We'll hear about it next week. All right. Bye.